and welcome to the podcast which by now has been known by many names, at least by its two creators, Mr Liam Tarvit, my good friend, and myself, Tom Corneal. Liam and I first got together in early 2019 when Liam's partner, Kate, suggested we go for a coffee together. The reason being that I was struggling quite a lot with uh, depression at the time and that was something that Liam had also struggled with in the past. Both of us reasonably good at having conversations on the subject and quite keen actually to to converse on it and both of us pretty good at remaining upbeat and trying to um, shed a little light on on it for the the people that we talk to so when the two of us got to come got to uh, together for a coffee and had a, a conversation on the topic we found that actually the conversation flowed really well and decided maybe we should be recording it, it might be helpful to other people and so the first iteration of this podcast was uh, we were going to put out a mental health podcast called the Get Talking Podcast. And we were going to um, discuss depression and anxiety and stress and lots of other connected issues. However, in the meantime, uh, before we were able with our busy lives and, and busy work schedules um, to actually publish anything, Things got in the way and things developed, not necessarily to the negative, but we weren't able to publish the podcast as quickly as we hoped um, because workloads increased. I had an extremely busy year last year, as did Liam. Um, then we eventually got to Christmas and decided, you know what, I need a break. I can't face this yet. In the new year, I was made redundant. So I had a new set of things to, to deal with, to occupy my, my time and my thinking processes. And then finally, there was a pandemic. Uh, as we sit at the moment, I am, um, I'm in my house in isolation, uh, or that is I'm in lockdown. I'm not, I'm not specifically isolated I don't have the coronavirus to the best of my knowledge uh, but Liam and I are not able to get together um, rather than see all of these things as an obstacle and yes they have slowed us down but what we wanted to do was over the, the time that we had together before um, it, we got to this point Liam and I had realized that all of these things getting in the way the job stresses the way that we handle work redundancy and maybe some other stuff that hasn't affected us personally recently but were going on in our friends life things like grief uh, things like homelessness which is something that both of our, uh, of us have been involved in in work around the homelessness um, issue in the last couple of years um, these are all things these are everyday problems and they all need discussing these are all things that each of us are affected by, if not directly, then indirectly by our actions and by the way in which we want to know how best to help um, and want to understand best where we can help and where actually we're best off leaving it to other people, perhaps. Um, so the, the podcast has certainly developed from its original mode of being a mental health podcast into everyday problems, and that is what we decided to call it eventually. Liam and I haven't got around to, as I as I speak, we haven't got around to recording a, a second or third or any other episode together yet. Um, we're going to be working over that uh, on that in the coming weeks. But in the meantime, what I wanted to do uh, was just to put out the first recorded conversation that Liam and I had. The recording that you're about to hear took place midway through 2019. 
Um, and it's a discussion between myself and Liam, who at the time were both receiving treatment for depression, um, and I was also struggling with anxiety. And it's a conversation about how does it affect you? Um, we wanted to know from each other, how did you discover that you had depression? How long have you had it for? How do you deal with it? Are you optimistic? Is it something you think will be around forever? We don't have all the answers and on this podcast we'll never pretend to have all the answers but we thought by shedding a little light and just by having a conversation about it we might be able to help a couple of other people work things out for themselves um, and at worst we had a good chat. So I hope that this is interesting for you. Again this uh, podcast at the time I'm, I'm putting this out there will have been recorded for quite a while but the the content is still pretty relevant if there's any reference to news items which i don't think there are um, then they will be somewhat out of date by the time you're listening to this but the rest of it is very much still relevant have a listen i'll be here to sweep up at the end of the podcast and uh more from us soon thanks a lot right hello uh welcome listeners i suppose the idea of listeners is is quite strange at this point. Um, this is Tom Cornell speaking. I'm sat here with Liam Tarvit. Liam, hello. Good afternoon. Hello. Are you well? Yes, good, thank you. Good. Um, right, a, a quick introduction really, um, and, and forgive some of the, the sort of blunders as we go through this. Myself and Liam um, want to talk through some stuff together. Um, we haven't rehearsed this, wouldn't be a lot of point if we re- rehearsed it beforehand. Um, the, the point of this podcast really um, is an opportunity to talk a little bit, uh, or a lot in fact, about mental health. Um, uh, I suppose to try and bring it to you in a way that is, um, well, informative. Um, I had in my head when we were discussing this that we try and sort of keep it light-hearted, but then I put a question mark by that because is it indeed a light-hearted subject? Probably <laughs> not uh, a lot of the time. Um, so if I just very quickly chuck in that I am uh, someone, I'm 36 year old male, um, I suffer with depression, um, that's not to say that I'm depressed all of the time but it is something that is there that comes and goes and I also have um, a moderate level of anxiety as well um, and I've wanted to talk a little bit bit for um uh, to, to talk a bit more openly about these things a little while ago i was put in touch with my friend liam here um liam if i throw it over to you how how did you come how did we come to have this conversation um so this is going to be weird referring to you in the third person when you're here but um yeah so tom works with my partner who correct me if i'm wrong just having a sort of general conversation yeah, yeah. and um, yeah my partner suggested that it might be worth us talking as I uh, also um, suffer with depression that's, that's another thing I still don't really know the word for yeah when we sort of struggle with the language for it is do I suffer with depression am I depressed I don't I don't really know how to answer that still but yes uh, medically question. yeah yeah I am chronic I suffer from chronic depression. I am chronically depressed. It's hard so, even to yeah, say, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite a weird thing to say. And yeah, similarly as, as you know, as you said, it's not. I'm I'm not depressed all the time. Yeah, I'm probably far from it. But there you go. So so on on that, let's kind of start there. Let's open that up a little bit. So I suppose it would uh, it would, would be a good idea to kind of enlighten our listeners 
uh, all of them uh, out there listening to this podcast now um, as to exactly what what are we talking about our definitions of depression as it affects us these things are um, very personal I think to each of us individually my experience in talking to um, people some people being comfortable to talk about it some people less so um, that it seems to affect all of us in a slightly different way based on how sensitive we are what triggers we have and things like that um, so and and interestingly I'm, I'm not surprised at all there where you go to talk about what exact what are you how, how does how do you define mm. it and 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 whether it's because I suppose there's two things in it for me the definition of depression or of mental see even I don't want to say it mental yeah. illness men, mental health issues yeah um, it's really hard to define. So exactly, it's not like a broken leg where you can say my leg is broken. Like yeah. I wake up and I'm, I'm not entirely sure whether I am depressed or not until I have time to reflect on on a sort of a period of time. And yeah. then the other factor for it for me is it's those uncomfortable words because it is a it's it's still a we're getting better at it as a society, but it's mm. still relatively taboo when it comes to saying things like I am chronically depressed or I have a mental I'm not even sure I want to say I have a mental illness that feels weird but essentially that is the case uh for me I suppose if if I'm talking about it Mm. in that respect uh, I'm not even sure I've ever called it that before in all the time that I've been talking quite comfortably about it um but it, it is a thing that is there that requires treatment from time to time I suppose therefore it is it is an illness even though I'm actually 90% 90% of the time pretty mm. up pretty upbeat I think that's that's one of the things that I've found over the sort of 20 years that I've had a diagnosis of being depressed um, as a sort of in my late teens um, that the hardest the, the hardest sort of element of it is expressing it mm. and having that language to do so yeah. and I think that's you know things have changed a lot in the, probably in the last five years yeah. where because of what's in the media and um, a, about mental health that we have a wider vocabulary to be able to discuss it yeah which I think certainly when I was when I was 19 there wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to really even explain how I felt yeah um, but that still feels quite loaded saying I have a mental illness yeah it, yeah that it does. you're putting yourself in quite a vulnerable position by saying that or I certainly feel like I would be putting myself in a vulnerable position by saying that. yeah absolutely even even though I'm talking about it now it makes me think do I need to go back and edit what we've recorded do I want do I want that idea out there about myself yeah. I'm, I'm not going to I'm going to leave it in there. yeah I, I said it I'm not putting that on you but I think if it's something that needs to be treated technically, it's oh, it's it's a condition of, yeah. of some sort, isn't it? I think again, not necessarily having that kind of complete understanding of of the complexity of mental health in the broadest sense is, and it is partly again the world that we live in of being of everybody sort of being terrified to say of saying the being more scared of saying the wrong thing than yeah. saying the right thing, but even even that of saying. I have a mental illness. For me, that's still like, oh, am I gonna 
am I pushing the boat beyond how I feel? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that is whether or not I am genuinely doing that or if that is of as a result of 20 years of constantly trying to probably belittle how I feel to myself yeah. in order to be able to feel more normal. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I think it's a really good question that... Maybe that's the, the that that's the sort of answers that we want to find. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point, isn't it? Yeah. And, and perhaps that. So um, we, we would like uh, both of us to um, to speak to other people um, in future episodes to bring bring them in and have a chat about how they're affected differently by it and how how they see it differently. Perhaps how are they working through it? Are they working through it? Um, and so I think that's probably a question that we'll revisit again and again. So we kind of touched briefly there on how we came to be having a conversation. So through your partner, I got chatting at work. It was suggested after a brief touch on, uh, I think it was anxiety we were discussing in, in that conversation. It was suggested that you and I go for a coffee together and have a bit of a chat yeah. about it. Both both interested. It might do both of us good to have a bit of a chat. Um, but you've also mentioned there a couple of times about... 20 years and that interests me so it, it would probably be helpful let's let's look back a little um for a minute or two about what what has your life been like so far those 20 years that you refer to what do you mean by that is that how long you think it's been there in the background have you acknowledged um depression for that long or is it just you you've got a feeling that it was sort of there over that time what what, what brings 20 years into it um well i first went to see uh, my gp when i was about 18 or 19 mm-hmm. so that was the first diagnosis i had of depression yeah and was um um given a a prescription for Prozac that was probably the extent of the treatment that my GP was able to offer me yeah um and that's not to say that he wasn't in any way supportive because he absolutely was but I think that was probably as a society where we were yeah with depression at that point so I think probably prior to that I'd yeah sort of periods of quite low mood and very low motivation um that had probably been put down to being a teenager yeah um and um yeah so but that in terms of in terms of an actual diagnosis so that was yeah just that would have been just over 20 years ago yeah so that's where that comes from and then I've had kind of probably half a dozen really flat moments yeah in that period so once every three years maybe i guess there seems to just be a a, i I get to a a, i get to a point where i can't sort of acknowledge it um i think it was it was interesting what what you said earlier actually tom about you don't know if you're you you don't know if you're going to feel depressed on a given day until you're kind of up and doing stuff. Yeah. Because I feel like actually quite often I don't I still even now I don't know when I'm starting to to really dip. Right. Until I'm out of it and then I can kind of say like Got oh you. that's yeah. 
but though but identifying those those I guess it's beyond not even the the trigger points but the first signs of it yeah when I'm in the midst of it mm. I I I can't I, I can't stop myself at that point yeah um <clears throat> which is the thing that I've probably now I think having the, the language and more confidence to talk about things is yeah. that I can go and you know I've been to my doctor and I've been to see someone for CBT and I've got a much better handle on what I need to do yeah um than I've had in the past and previously I you know have had that attitude that probably a lot of people have of burying your head in the sand yeah yeah I think we've um, all been through that yeah but um yes hopefully that roundabout my answers yeah yeah I'm, I'm obviously listening to you telling your your kind of story your history with it uh and it is it's amazing how many parallels there are uh with 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 me and my mm. history with it as well and i wonder as we speak to more people will we see that there are more and more similarities or is it just coincidence uh, that would be genuinely interesting for me to to see if other people have very different experiences relationships with it mm. um i know for me the first time that i went to see a doctor about it i was about 19 it would have been 2001 2002 i think um and like you, it was uh, it was straight onto some um, antidepressants. I can't remember what what they were now. Um, and interestingly, um, my my GP at the time, um, he's retired since. He was a, he was a lovely fella. He was never keen on giving out medication for anything. He was always uh, very anti that. More about how how can we help you to help yourself kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and. The thing I think I was really fortunate in terms of the way I spot it when I'm about uh, am I about when I'm about to have a dip? I don't think you can see it when you're about to for me, but when I'm when I'm feel like I'm starting to dip, I mm. think I spot it earlier. It sounds like then you identify with yeah. it, and I think the reason is down to something that my GP said all the way back then. Um, which was um, the reason that he I was really surprised that he gave that he opted for uh, medication and he said the reason was I had um, uni coming up I had a little bit of travel coming up ahead of me and he said the difference between um, between being sad and depressed um, or one of the, the key differences was that you can't get excited about stuff you should be excited about yeah. and he said that you've got a lot of things that you should be looking forward to mm. and yeah I could tell that you're even if you are you're not feeling it you're mm. not getting that chemical kind of buzz from these things yeah. and he said that for me is what tells me that you've got something that might benefit from actually being um, treated and that's I, such a great um, that's that's such a great example of that feels like such a great example of how I feel and actually that's huh. e even just hearing you say that is like oh, actually that is like quite a powerful it's thing good, in itself it? yeah. yeah that's a little nugget of oh there you go oh, isn't it yeah and, I, and see I should have so I should remember that the fact that it had such an impact on me and actually yeah it still comes to me now and, and funnily enough now I'm at the point where I'm kind of so um familiar with depression I'll qualify that point in a minute but I, I'm, I'm so I think I spot it quite readily now but almost it's at the point where my subconscious spots it and requotes 
my my GP back to me age 19 and it's like when that voice when that little alarm goes off in my head I hear his voice saying those words yeah. it's like okay we're, we're gonna have a couple of days here where yeah. some work might be required so I said that I'd qualify something a second ago um, it's this is something we'll probably come back to um, again and again, but something that I'm quite keen to point out early on, because, I mean, we jumped in the, the deep end by <laughs> labelling this possibly as, as a mental illness, which it does feel really uncomfortable to say. So let me just pull it back a little bit. You said that you have um, had this dip maybe sort of every three years or some something like that. I'm sure it probably changes yeah. a little bit. And I would say... For me, it's probably similar. I think of late, whether it's through circumstances in, in my life, um, grief and, and things, whether it's been that I've had more triggers for it, it's certainly been more present than it was uh, previously. But I, I would agree with that. So I've been having it since I was, I'm 36 now. I've been um, aware of it since I was about 19. And for me, it's probably every three or four years, I would say. It's, it, it mm. probably is something like that. And interestingly, when I think when I kind of try and identify what what do I define this as what how do I feel when I'm depressed um what does that manifest itself as I think I can actually tie that back to feelings I had when I was really quite young when I was in when I was three four five and, mm. and I was a very sensitive kid I didn't like to be I, I was at a, I've got a great big family I was the youngest of the bunch. I was mothered by my three sisters um, as well as my mum and my, my dad. was. I was very close with him. My dad actually um, was recovering from a major accident when I was very small. So he was at home all the time while I was okay. growing up. So I basically just had attention 24-7. I was sport rotten. Um, and I think by the time I then had to go to school and stuff, I was shell-shocked and I'm not sure I ever got over it. So I probably yeah. could, could play mine all the way back to going to, we called it play school back then, but when I was probably three, maybe four, having to leave home for the first time just for the day. And I had similar feelings then that I do now on a day when I'm feeling quite insecure. Mm. Um, what I was going to say just briefly was, for me, when I'm not in those dips... I'm great. I'm actually a pretty upbeat person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a band. Uh, I'm not going to shamelessly promote um, centerfolds uh, here. When uh, <laughs> and you're a musician as well, so yes. we, we, the, there is a part of both of us that um, that there is. Uh, it would probably be fair to say there is a, at least an element of us which is uh, a bit extroverted. There's also a lot of introverted parts. Probably, I would say, more introverted parts of me than than extrovert, but comes out on occasion I like to have parties and see my friends and laugh and drink and well I love to laugh I'd love nothing more than seeing my old mates who I really click with and having a really good um, laugh with and, and, and a, you know chat and shoot the breeze and stuff and I'm a pretty upbeat kind of person and that's mm. um, that's one thing that's important to me I, I know when I started to talk about uh, mental health items through my uh, I started blogging a little while ago about it and I scared the hell out of people because a lot of people when I mentioned it on like Facebook mm. some of my family are on there that don't talk about this sort of stuff yeah. um, and they're frightened the life out there I didn't even consider it because I was feeling 
upbeat and yeah let's let's talk about this this will be a really good thing but yeah. actually i scared the shit out of people because they they i think were wondering has he has he lost the plot is he is he about <laughs> you know is, is he about to do something silly is he at risk or something um and so yeah i, I think i frightened people and that for me highlighted the fact that actually we really do need to talk about this mm. more because we it shouldn't send people into a tailspin every time you know just to use the broken leg analogy if someone's got yeah. a broken leg you kind of know how to be around them you know they might need help they might need you to pass them a cup of tea mm. but they probably don't need you to go softly softly and stop calling them for a week or call them more or you know it's, it's we, but yeah. we've got this weird relationship with it haven't we we have and i think that's i mean that to, to continue with the broken leg analogy that's that's probably the same certainly for some people some some of the people that I've spoken to in terms of having that acknowledgement yourself mm. if you've got a broken leg you're not going to go out and try and walk you know yeah. five miles yeah, right. or yeah. or go for a run or something like that so you've I think you've got to have some understanding if, when it comes to your mental health as well yeah. in doing the same things I know in the most sort of recent um, and this is another thing that I don't really have a word for episode. Yeah, yeah, um, right. That I've that that has sort of been going on for the last probably two or three months. Um, that that's one of the things that that lots of people have said to me is you you just need to be kinder to yourself. You need to find a way that you can be kind to yourself to to not beat yourself up about not being able to go to work. And yeah, not beat yourself up about not being able to go and do the things that you th- you would normally be doing. Yeah. And that's not to say that, I don't, for me personally, it wouldn't do me any good just to hide indoors all the time because yeah. that, I would actually, I wouldn't be being kind to myself doing that. I, I know that getting up and going outside and things are, are, are good, yeah. but it's finding that balance. Mm. And and when you do have those, you know, those days when you you need a duvet day, yeah. you need a day in, in, in front of, you know, watching whatever rubbish is on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. That you give it to yourself, and that yeah. you don't beat yourself up about it. Yeah. Um, because if you were if you were sat there with a broken leg watching telly all day, you wouldn't you wouldn't think twice about it, or even, or if you yeah. had flu or anything yeah. like that. That's so. That's such a that that is a, a fantastic point, isn't it? And I think actually, do you know, and this is where it is more complex than the than the broken leg, is. It's easier to spot when a physical injury is healed actually mm. and do you know what to be perfectly clear about this i mean all even even mental health issues it is physical because it is your brain it's a part of yeah. you it's not yeah, like it's, it's just true. it's not just a theory out there you yeah. know this is 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 genuine injury or uh sickness fatigue it's something that that requires physical healing but you you you're so right so one of my i i beat myself up um I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I uh, I know that you've you've got a, a responsible job, and I'm sure you like me. Even if it was a physical thing, if you have a have the flu or something mm. like that, um, maybe it's the nature that the type of people that we are. But it's not easy for me to phone in sick, mm. even if I'm even if I'm actually feeling physically ill or something. I don't like yeah. doing it because there's a stigma even even just to regular sick days. If you then take that and put it into the form of something that you can't you're not sneezing you're not there's no blood coming out of mm. you there's there's no broken limbs or something 
that's that's really hard to do and to admit to myself when I need recovery time is hard that, yeah. that's that's very difficult and you're also exactly right as well so the first thing is if you've spotted it and you just know because after you've been through a few dips a few cycles or episodes like you I'm still not sure what I'm supposed to call it um you start to recognize it mm. we, maybe we maybe it's possible to get slightly better at identifying it maybe that's not easy for, for everyone maybe it isn't something you get better at maybe some of us are just more fortunate in terms of our perception of it but when you spot it it's absolutely okay to let yourself recover and yeah. to give yourself that space to recover that's that's absolutely true and there's such a temptation though then to allow that recovery time to become kind of wallowing time and, and when it comes to a mental yeah. issue yeah you can have too much of that and yeah. you can you can push yourself further into it rather than coming out and that's hard isn't it yeah that is i mean that's probably the sort of those those probably sort of half a dozen periods that i've had of of um where I kind of feel like where I've got to my lowest point yeah. and I don't know how I get to that point yeah. is probably where the burying my head in the sand comes in mm-hmm. where I maybe whether it's conscious or subconsciously I know I know that it's there yeah. and what I might do at other times of, of what I've probably done at other times is yeah take a couple of days off yeah sick yeah. with a cold yeah because you know I've up until up until this most recent time, I don't think I've ever taken any time off as such for for my mental health. No, so I've always had another reason yeah, for yeah. it—a bad back or something stupid. Yeah, but where I've taken a couple of days just to 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 get over it. But you're absolutely right that that there is that potential to to wallow. Yeah, I'm definitely someone who sulks with my depression. Right. Okay. And that is. Yeah. Um, that is where it at times it is better for me to go and do the things that I feel like I don't want to do, like going out and seeing people and yeah. going out and doing exercise because it will lift me out of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, even even if it's just for a short period, and then that gives you some break from it, and that enables you to to have a rest in a different way from it as well. Because yeah. I think that there is, I find going to work quite often is the thing that's good for me because it's distraction. Yeah, but. As as has happened recently, mm-hmm. I've I've overused that mm-hmm. as a as a method of keeping myself feeling normal or trying to trying to continue the illusion to yeah. everybody else that I'm fine. Yeah, by yeah. just keeping going, and that so that is yeah partly using that um, using the workers distraction, overusing that, and and burying my head in the sand for actually what the the longer term impact's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's... It's funny that you, you'd say about... And I I think even now, I've never taken any time off officially under the bracket of mental mm. health, which is crazy. And I, there's a friend of mine, and he's the only person that I know who has done it every so often. And he has a very stressful job. Um, and he generally I mean he doesn't really talk about depression but he certainly suffers from stress every so often um, and he I know will every so often tell his boss he's, he's having a mental health day mm. and he will he will just take some time off and, yeah. and he allows himself that 
and he's a really high functioning individual he's a, he's a he's a very active guy he's very sporty and he's very very good at his job again he's got a very responsible position um i think when i i tend to deal with it um i will almost try to overcompensate sometimes so if i can see it coming i will try to do more and it is that distraction it is that sort of thing it, it, you know if i if i plow on through if i if i just ignore it it's going to be all right and I, I remember when we when we first chatted um we talked briefly about the the, the whole thing of distraction is that a good thing or a bad thing yeah. because on on the one hand i know from um dealing with uh panic attacks so that's something i'm not entirely sure that's linked to depression or whether that i know that's certainly linked to anxiety and i don't know if if anxiety and depression are in fact part of the same beast or if they're two separate things that mm. i happen to have in my kind of genetic makeup but i know through having suffered panic attacks in the past um, that distraction for those is a really good tactic because it's a short-term thing that stops your brain from spiraling into uncontrollable despair which can be physically debilitating for a brief period yeah but when it comes to depression that's a much that's a that's a drudging long-term wading through treacle kind of thing and for me yeah. the distraction thing actually doesn't it works very briefly but at some point you have to kind of tackle yeah. it and try try and turn to face it and go right what is it what mm. what's what's it and actually and so on, on that i've got written down in front of me something i wanted to ask you about is triggers so do you think that you have triggers or is it something that comes unannounced unprompted what what kind of what sets you off or do, have you any idea i think that's what i'm trying to find out at the moment mm -hmm. really um to be able to find a way of of sort of sustainably dealing with my depression in a you know for the for the rest of my life mm. to not to not I don't want to be defined by it and I don't want to be defeated by it ultimately um so I that's what I'm trying to work out at the moment I guess so the, I think that there are I know that there is that that there are certain things that um, I don't do as much now and that as that has a definitely has a positive impact on that so not having multiple days of going out and drinking a lot yeah makes a massive difference yeah, because yeah. a few years ago if I would if I went out on a Friday and a Saturday night yeah I would be I would be on the rocks until Wednesday or yeah. Thursday yeah um, yeah and um, so yeah, which is good, you know, it's, it's probably a good thing for you physically as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, plus you get to a point where, you, you know, you can't do that like you used to do it in your 20s. So, <laughs> yeah. thank God. Um, so, but I know that alcohol definitely plays a part with me. And that's something that I need to, to just manage a, yeah. a little bit more mindfully. That makes a big difference and, and has probably, probably stopped me from on a few occasions from actually um from actually getting in in a bad place no right. it just don't drink for a couple of weeks yeah and that will put you in a much better mindset yeah um so i think that maybe isn't a trigger but it certainly contributes to it um change is always 
difficult, I think. I'm yeah. quite, and it's similar to what you said earlier in that I'm quite positive from a work point of view and an outward point of view in terms of dealing with change. But I definitely, I definitely feel um, that it, it does play a big part in it. And um, I haven't, I don't really understand why and what it, what it is. That's one of the things I've, I guess, another one of the things that I'm trying to yeah sort of work through at the moment. Um, but other than that, I don't know. I I think there are there's sort of things that I can notice. I know if I if if something I don't even want to say bad. If something quite insignificant happens. Mm. That, that's irritating yeah i i will in the early stages of an, an episode completely over fixate on it and might be able to stop thinking about yeah, it yeah i get if that, i drop yeah. to I, you know it is literally crying over spilt milk yeah. kind of thing not yeah. that i'm in tears but you know it's something like that would really annoy me and i'd really struggle to let go of it and i'm not somebody that hangs on to grudges and things like that so yeah that's a but again, that's something that, I, yeah, I don't know if there is such any of these things are like triggers. They're more sort of signs. So I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. That's How about you? Do you? Have you got... It, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I, I don't think I have... No, I do have triggers because there's definitely one that, that's, that's caused it lately. But for me, it will tend not to be a one-off event. So, for example, like when, when my mum died died uh, four years ago a few months before her um, my uh, one of my closest friends died also all in a really really short space of time one of my best mates and my mum passed away and it was very very sad yeah um, of, clearly obviously it was very sad um, and I dealt with that sadness in a way I'd expect to deal with that sadness and that grief and stuff and I didn't spiral into depression then. So that, that you know, certain things can happen. And sadness doesn't necessarily, for me, lead to depression. Mm. Um, what does tend to be... I don't know that I call it a trigger sort of insinuates like something, uh, like a short, sharp event, and, and then, then it yeah, happens. Yeah. And that isn't the case for me. I know that stress, so sort of prolonged periods of overworking or... Uh, having to work too hard mentally so mm -hmm. stress at work things like that um that i would consider a trigger but trigger doesn't feel like the right word because it isn't quick it's not like yeah. you know a hairspring reaction to something it, it, it sort of is bigger than that and sometimes i don't i can't tie it to anything mm -hmm. so, so sometimes like I, I could have had a, a really good few months um years even without even thinking about it um, everything's good great holidays works fine relationships yeah. you know list everything everything's no better no worse than anyone else but generally life is good and then I can just feel myself starting to dip and it, and, and not looking forward to stuff again and, and start to the opposite of looking forward to stuff actually start to dread yeah. things dread social engagements all the things that I would normally look forward to if I've if I know I've got to go out on a Thursday night to see friends or something on the Monday I'll be having a bad day because I'm already panicking about yeah. going. You know th those sorts of things, but they're not always. It doesn't always seem to be linked to something. It, it can kind of come out of nowhere, and that mm. is something that I would like to um, get to the bottom of. Mm.
I could maybe suggest that the last thing that we have a little talk about today, because uh, we kind of talked about it last time I, I saw you, and, and we kind of arrived at it, but in, in terms of um, treatment, so there's so many different yeah. ways now that you can get treatment. Um, we have, obviously, there's medication, even, even crikey, even medication, that, that's a subject in its own right we could talk about because there's different types of medication that do different things to you while mm. you work your way through it. Um, there are different forms of um, therapy so, so you have counseling you have therapy you have coaching each one of those is a slightly different sp- set of spin-offs as well um, so th- the kind of last thing that I was going to ask you about um, today is at this moment in time um, what are the kind of most recent things that you're consciously doing what treatments are you receiving or, or doing for yourself to, to you know work work through it um, so I went to see a mindfulness CBT therapist. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Yeah. So, um, and uh, yeah, so I went to see somebody last week and had like an initial consultation with um, them. That was really interesting. And... Um, she sent me some videos and uh, I've got a book to work through over the next couple of weeks, predominantly because she's on holiday. Um, and then I've also got a referral through um, Talking Therapies, which is a local council yeah. um, for counselling and um, CBT. So I've got my initial appointment for that next week. Cool. So um, I'll see how that goes and then I can make a call on which one I move forward with sure um, but I'm quite optimistic about the mindfulness CBT because um, from from the little I know of it, it it's it's been sort of it's had better successes um, than some of the uh, other talking therapies for, yeah. for chronic mental health right okay um, there was some research that came out last week I think I saw it on the BBC um, that effectively said that CBT for depression won't will stop working after two years okay which I don't know how they've got to that conclusion yeah yeah that's and, interesting um, and, and that has probably you know sort of um, worked into into my thought about trying this particular type of CBT, which has been designed specifically for people with chronic depression. So chronic depression from the uh, psychotherapist's perspective is three or more episodes of depression. Right, right. Over an unspecified period of time. Okay. Mm, Okay. Wow, okay. Yeah, crikey. Um, So... I, I at this point in time, by the way, I'm not choked. I've got a bit of a sore throat today, so <clears throat> if it sounds like I'm on the verge of crying a couple of times, I'm actually not totally <laughs> fine. Um, uh, so at this point in time, I have um, I, I again seem to be very fortunate. Um, my current GP um, is uh, very very good at talking through uh, matters of the heart, stroke, head. You know your your kind of mood stuff, um, and, and put me in touch with. Um, talking therapies in Bath as well Um, and I had uh, I've had two sessions with them so far and um, likewise that act of of talking I I found very helpful 
Um, prior to that, something that was extremely helpful for me actually had a year, and um, we talked about this oh, last yeah. time I saw it, but we had a, I had a year of uh, life coaching, which is not something prescribed by a doctor. I was going through a period where I'd lost a lot of confidence and things, and I just felt like I, I was um, uh, kind of losing myself. There was a lot of identity loss there where I just mm. felt like I was... The only identity I had was the, the one that fit in at work. And when I see my family and, and stuff, I, I was kind of playing up to the part of my old self, but I wasn't really very there. It feels awfully, uh, really sad saying that, but that's, that's where I got to. And that, that's, that feels um, emotionally and literally a really long time ago now. But um, I, actually, that was extremely helpful. It wasn't something prescribed. It was, some, it was something I had to pay for, but um, it was... It was really good for me at that point in time. I'd encourage people to, to maybe chat with a, um, a life coach. Um, a, another thing that's got a huge stigma attached to it, but it was really helpful to me. Probably something you'd have to pay for, but Google it. There will be a, a directory for your local area. It would probably be helpful. It's something to think about. Um, I'm, I'm pretty positive about the CBT stuff as well. Um, a question that was put to me this morning, so I had my most recent session this morning, um, and it's funny because like you, I identify with this stuff most easily when I'm at kind of through and out the other side. So mm. I am, I'm in a really good place right now, but I'm, I'm seeing it through because I, I want to um, bolster myself. I want to give myself every shot I've got if and when it comes again that I'm you know ready for it kind of thing. So this is where sort of mental fitness comes in and being prepared. Um, so I'm seeing it through and a question was put to me about whether what do I want to do with this? Do I want to learn to manage the symptoms, um, which CBT is very good for cognitive based therapy? Um, or do I want to look regressively at it? Do I want to try and find a source? Do I want to go back to, to find what's causing it in the first place? And it was put to me by this particular therapist that actually CBT won't help with that and that counselling mm. may be required if I want to go down that route. And I've spent the rest of the day kind of uh, mulling that one over. I don't know the answer yet. I'm not, mm. I'm not really sure. I'm not entirely sure if there is a cause. It might just be entirely chemical. I think there's depression in my family. Yeah. Um, and whether there was or not, I think it, given how far back I can trace it, maybe I've already found the cause, maybe it was in my childhood, it wasn't down to some deep-rooted uh, physical trauma or anything like that, I was mm. very, very loved, but that in itself, as I mentioned before, may have had kind of an impact at a later date. Um, so I don't know, and, and when we talk next, um, I, I'll try and remember to come back uh, to that that particular point, and, and maybe I'll have made a decision on that and, and where I want to go next. Um, the very last thing... Um, let's let's just talk about briefly today is the the thing you said to me just before we hit record and actually it was it was so important because it, it was really uplifting for me to hear was that actually for you and I, I won't put words into your mouth but I, um you were just starting to mention the importance of just you and me complete strangers at that point yes having a totally impartial conversation ha having the confidence to to start the conversation was difficult i think for both of us but yeah someone suggested we should do it we we pulled ourselves together we had that conversation um you you said you found that's just opening up the conversation helpful do you want to just talk yeah, about that i think um just to have a um 
a conversation with someone obviously sort of completely removed from from me and my situation um is was was helpful um and almost knowing that you're probably um you're not going to necessarily get told what to do or told that you why don't you try this and why don't you try that because i think that the age in which we live in the temptation is always to google it mm-hmm. and the the <laughs> the amount of answers for anything on google uh is overwhelming let alone put in yeah. anything about mental health and you'll yeah. quite quickly find several rabbit holes to disappear down yeah um so just being able to talk about things in quite a matter of fact way um and and in almost quite a mechanical way yeah i think was quite helpful for me um and then as i as i said when we were chatting earlier i had a similar conversation with one of my friends about his mental health as well as mine and and he said the the kind of similar thing afterwards that actually it's quite nice just to talk about the day-to-day-ness of it rather than the what's the cause of this what's the how are you going to get beyond it Mm. just thinking about the day yeah um and so yeah and I've been sort of thinking about that quite a bit the last week or so as well and I, I I can't remember where the quote came from um but I'll find it and we can put it on links or something yeah, like that. Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, but there was a quote that I read that I think sort of summed it up quite well, and it said, don't compare yourself to anybody else other than yourself of yesterday, hmm. which I thought was really good that in terms good. of staying in the moment. And yeah. actually, when you're trying to get past something, yeah, you can look at it in that way when you're trying to get better. If you again going back to the broken leg or having flu or something like that yeah you would take that recovery a day at a time yeah absolutely so i think yeah. sometimes you have to you have to sort of keep that in mind and the conversation that we had very much helped me do that great in terms of just feel a little bit better the next day yeah to to just give you a a hint of the light at the end of the tunnel yeah that's because i found that chat really really helpful as well um yeah good. And, and and i think it was I mean, at that point in time, from, I, d- I didn't really analyse it. I don't know why I found it so easy. Perhaps it is the fact that we there wasn't any kind of... Um, there was no baggage with our relationship because yeah. we hadn't met previously. We might not meet again. We wouldn't even have to get on with each other particularly yeah. well. You could yeah. just kind of say these things. Yeah. Um, and um, one of the things for me that, was, that perhaps made it easier for both of us was that... Um, I won't speak for myself, but I can say of, of you that you are you are very articulate, but you also are very um, articulate, particularly with reference to this. You are able to talk about it really well. Mm. And I think one of the things that I would like that this us getting together and doing this is is this podcast is um, it's uh it's it's i thought the idea would be fun and and you you seem to think so too it's good for me to talk about it and Mm. i think you you probably would agree with that as well um but also i mean that the one thing that would be really really fantastic is that this actually reaches other people and i really hope that if anyone is listening to this who finds that they don't have the words they can't talk about it as easily or they don't know who to talk about to about it I'd love to try and find a way to help people just feel more comfortable talking mm. about it. And that's one of the biggest problems that we have. Going back to something that we, we talked about earlier on is 
there is such a stigma attached to this when you do mention mention depression, low mood, anxiety, um, uh, mental health, mental illness, any of these things. It it really worries some people. It it shuts them down. It's really difficult. And I think mm. the best thing we can do is really normalise this by talking yeah. about it as much as possible, like you would with your broken leg. It's it's nothing to be scared of. The more we talk about it, the more treatments become available. Um, the less people will hide it, and mm. hiding it is is really quite dangerous. I think in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So so my help, my hope, sorry, is that that we can encourage people to talk more about it. That's kind of it for me, Liam. Is there anything you want to kind of say to to round off the the show, as it were? No, I think you've done it very uh, eloquently. And yeah, but just that one of the things that I I've sort of that's taken me a long time to to really get to terms with is is how I talk about this. Yeah. And I think that's where that's where there is still a big opportunity um and a and a kind of big gap in in terms of improving that that range of language that that, yeah. that you probably need to fully express yourself. Sure. But I'm still still trying to get to grips with um and I think yeah, that would be great if we could if we could help people with the things that that I certainly found very very difficult. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Cool, great, awesome. Well, um, guys, thank you for for listening. Um, we've been Tom and Liam, and uh, we hope to to speak to you again pretty soon. Take care. Well, you have been listening to Liam Tarvit and myself, Tom Cornell, and that was the Everyday Problems podcast. Thank you so much for giving us your time. I hope that it was enlightening. Um, perhaps it was educational. Maybe in a couple of places it was even entertaining. Uh, I don't know if we can call mental health issues that. I'd like it to be lighthearted. If you laughed in any places, that's a good thing. That's okay. That's good. We're here to make you smile, not cry. Um, you can help us out by listening to the next episode uh, as and when it becomes available. Um, subscribe, like possibly most importantly for us because we'd like to continue doing this podcast we'd like to be able to continue giving back um there is a patreon page for those of you not initiated um, patreon is a mechanism where you can give essentially ongoing sponsorship to projects that you find important sometimes they're philanthropic as in this case uh, sometimes they are purely for the sake of art um, i myself have a patreon page um, which i'll put the details up for on the show notes um, and that helps to to fund several projects one of them is this the podcast so if you find that this is important if you'd like to hear more from us then please do sign up and uh, and we will um, we'll put all of those monies towards the subscriptions etc that we need to keep the show going guys thank you very much and we will speak to you again very soon take care